Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lewiston Tribune Sports Podcast. And this is episode number 11 for my boy. I got to shout him out, one of my favorite football players, for Larry Fitzgerald. And who? Oh, come on. I know, Who's that I, again? I know you know who that is, but you can't. Who? One of the greatest, if not the greatest, NFL receivers of all time, Don. Who? Larry Fitzgerald. Shouts out to my boy. <laughs> and like I am joined with, as always, the man himself, Don Walden. Don, how you doing? I'm an angry white dude. What do you think? <laughs> how do you think I'm doing today? I, I think you're doing about how you're always doing. Your blood pressure is about here. Your anger's about here. And, you know, hopefully you can go to bed tonight and you can be all right and you can live another day. That's what we all Here, Here's the problem with this, Trev. I've got to get up probably at about 8 o'clock in the morning. You know what that means? <laughs> I don't I don't see the sunrise. Okay? I only see the sunset. Well, actually no, I'm wrong. I do see the sunrise after I come home from work. Well, you know, I'm I'm hoping those 3 hours of sleep that you might get, you know, gives you a real good hard reset. You mean that two and a half probably? Hey, hey, we're we're uh we're journalists, right? We we know all about that two and a half hours yeah, sleep. Yeah, it, it's called nocturnal. Yep. We're, we're night shifters, but if you were able to read the Sunday edition of the Lewiston Tribune... There was plenty, and not just in the sports section, mind you folks. Yeah, there was plenty, and we are going to cover a lot of it. This episode of the uh, Lewiston Tribune podcast is going to be, you know, more about, you know, kind of Sunday's issue of the paper, more so than recapping the week at hand, because... You know, there are two real big things that we want to hit on. But first, before we hit on the major stories of the day, we had a big feature story right in front of the sports section on one special athlete out of Troy High School, and she joins us now, Morgan Blazard. Morgan, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you guys doing tonight? Good. Oh, we're living the dream, you know. We're living the dream. <laughs> I know it was probably painful to sit through all that banter on the phone, but uh, I'm glad you did that. As long as you, no, it was good. I was laughing. As long as you didn't stick a needle in your eye, I think you'll be all right. <laughs> nope, no needle. <laughs> Morgan, I want to start off with uh, talking about you know, obviously you signed your letter of intent to go play for Eastern Washington. Volleyball, obviously, if you haven't read the story already and you don't know who Morgan Blazard is. Um, Where have you been at the last four years, people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's a very special talent. I kind of want to break down, you know, your choice of Eastern Washington. You know, why Eastern Washington and how did you end up with that being your school of choice? So I think it really first started my eighth grade year when I was like really interested and started kind of recruiting and talking to college coaches at um, different camps and just like introducing myself. This woman named Angela, who is our was the assistant coach for um, Eastern, I like just made contact with her and she was like, yeah, like I love you. Like um, you're such a good player. I'm interested in you. And I was like, no way, this is crazy. Um, someone interested and so I kind of just kept in touch with her and kept going to camps um, like in all different areas whether that was um, Utah or Washington or 
um, just like everywhere, just trying to figure out where I wanted to play. But Angela and I kept in touch. And um, during my junior to senior year, I just went to a lot of stuff down in Eastern and just fell in love with the campus and the people and overall just the coaching. Um, and I just felt like it was the right decision for me being close to home, but also having all of those key aspects that I really wanted um, in the college program. Yeah, so, you know, being yeah. being in that small town atmosphere of Troy, Idaho, and, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to all these camps, you know, in these bigger areas, these bigger states, you know, what was that atmosphere yeah. like? You know, kind of, was it almost like a, a culture shock when you were first going to these bigger you know, areas for these camps? Um, I think a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm very social. So okay. it was never really a problem of introducing myself. I think the biggest thing that I had an issue with was just like seeing how much talent was out there. I was like, wow, these girls are far better than me. And I was just a little bit intimidated by that and worried that I wouldn't be able to, you know, show my skills or my determinations properly just because they were so much better. But um, I kind of learned um, just that dedication and hard work and those factors are what coaches look for. And and overall, it doesn't matter kind of like, or I guess it does. It does matter how good you are, but what matters most is how much you want to work for it. And so that was something really cool that I was able to learn early on going to um, these different camps. Who, um, besides Eastern, did you have any other um, D1 offers? Um, let's see, D1. I brief, oh, yes, actually, from Idaho State University down in Pocatello. Mm-hmm. I had an offer from them to, again, go be a libero. And was there any, did you have any other offers out there at all besides those two? Yeah, I um, talked to LCSC extensively. And for a while, thought I would end up there. But I also talked to um, Southern Virginia, um, Maryland, and the University or Utah Valley University. What swayed? You, what basically swayed you in the end to go to Eastern over, you know, coming down here to LC? Um, that's a hard question. I think mostly I just wanted. Um, a higher level of competition. Though LCSC is very competitive in their volleyball, I just felt like I would learn and do more just kind of at that higher level. Um, I think also Eastern, just the connection I had made with Angela, I knew that she would really care for me as a player um, and just push me constantly just because, you know, we had been talking since my eighth grade year. Right. What do you remember... um about 2011 and watching that volleyball match that kind of got you interested in the sport? Um, I remember specifically I was watching it with my best friend, Lindsay Quaid. That's probably a big name still around here. Um, but we, in that both, both in that moment, looked at each other and just said, you know, we're going to do big things too. Like this is our goal. Um, to go and win a state championship with each other. And we're like, yep, this is what we're going to do. So after that moment, we spent hours and hours just like practicing volleyball with each other. That's probably one of my core memories. What, I mean, how how many hours would you practice a day? You know, especially, you know, Um, from, from that age going up and, and and let's just eliminate high school and your mom putting you through all the, all, all the hellacious drills that you had to do. (laughs) 
given day, I spent probably around two hours. Um, and like in the summer, like Lindsay and I would just play volleyball all day, like get up at 8 a.m. and keep playing till like 8 p.m. So did you ever have a break? Did you day. take a break? <laughs> Um, probably for lunch or a juice box, but really, not, <laughs> not the whole time. <laughs> you know, um, obviously, you know, you are, you do play basketball as well. You know, is, yes. you know, at the high school level, um, you know, these athletes that play multiple sports, you know, when they go into another season, they play that sport to kind of stay in shape for the next sport. Uh -huh. Is that kind of what basketball is for you as well? Yeah, I would definitely say so. I will admit any day that basketball is far from my favorite sport. Definitely um, more of what my mom has always wanted me to do. Oh, really? So, I, um, yes, I think um, though she has kind of pushed or maybe forced me to play basketball, it has really helped just to stay in shape and to stay kind of injury-free. You think she just was tired of spending time with you or what? <laughs> I don't know. She really must have been. Okay, how old are you? I coach our basketball. Too, right. so. so how old are you, Morgan? I'm 18. Okay, you still listen to your mother? Unfortunately, she was like, <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah, Don's Dawn, got two two young kids at home, and I don't think they even listen to him. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe you can get Deborah over there. She whip them into shape real quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's it been like though for you to 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 be you know to to have that relationship with your mother you know um, not only on the court but off the court as well you know there's there's got to be a I don't know is it is it a weird dynamic for you is it you, you know how how does that all work? Um, I think at first it was a really weird and hard dynamic to kind of figure out um we fought kind of a lot during my freshman year just because we were constantly together um and she was she was pretty hard on me and just kind of expected a lot out of my performance and the things I was doing and the person I was growing into but I would say overall our relationship has grown far past any relationship that I have in my life like She's the person I turn to for any problem or any good day or, you know, any sort of advice just because I know she's always going to have my best intentions in her mind. And so I think that volleyball relationship really was able to give me a solid coach, a solid mother, and a really solid best friend. So I'm very appreciative of it now. Right. But looking back on it, what were – I mean – Thinking yourself again, you know, three three years ago, what was going through your head? Um, and keep it clean. <laughs> I was probably pretty angry. She would come home from practice and then she would, like, tell me how bad my passing was that day. Or, you know, like, be like, you didn't talk very kindly to a teammate. And I'd be like, whatever, mom. Like, I'm going to my room. I'm going to my room. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and bam, slam the door. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, I can never get away from this woman. Like, she's at home. She's at school. She's coming to every single practice. And she's all in your business, right? 
exactly i could never do anything bad or she knew and so i think that was really hard but I guess it kind of set me on a good path, too, because I didn't make any bad decisions. So. Right, right. I was going to say, what what kind of changed, what kind of clicked in that relationship that, you you know, that you guys kind of realized, oh, hey, you know, good things can really happen out of this? Um, that's a really good question. I think probably maturity, honestly, helped a lot in understanding um, just, like, how much my mom was trying to look out for me. And then I also remember listening to, um, I think a TED talk maybe of like how relationships with parents and children work. Um, and just like how much love a parent has to have to want to have their child like succeed in everything that they're doing. And one day it just like clicked that like my mom wasn't out to, you know, get me or make sure that I was doing everything right. Or, you know, be that kind of watchdog over my shoulder all the time, but she really was just trying to have my best intentions in mind and, and was trying to make sure that I stayed away from maybe all of those things that happened to her when she was younger. And so right. that just in my mind and made it me appreciate her a lot more. Can you, sorry, Trev, um, can you, can you talk about the experience that you've had, you know, in the last 20, 21, 22 months with COVID, you know, and what's it been like for you and, you know, and your teammates and, and, you know, how you guys have had to go about dealing with all this? Yeah, of course. Um, I think when COVID first happened, it was during my basketball season and um, right during one of like my most successful club seasons for volleyball. And I remember we were actually getting on a plane um, to go to Denver for a volleyball tournament. And they announced on the plane that our tournament had been canceled and that we needed to, like, exit the plane immediately because we no longer had any sort of reservation. And that was hard. I was bitter for quite a while that COVID had canceled kind of any progression that I was making. Um, But I do remember that I still was very determined to, like, get better. So I would go and, like, play volleyball off of, like, the roof of my house or the roof of um, a church close to me um, and just, like, pass it and serve it and those types of things. And then my mom one day was like, hey, like, you should start getting your teammates involved. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good idea. So we set up nets in church at like the church or at the park and just started playing together outside um and that really i feel like what is what made us like such a more close team um just because we were all going through the same thing that was really hard and kind of devastating for all of us but we all were still able to like learn and grow and just kind of develop our volleyball talent what did it do you what 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 did the what has or what did that situation or because it's still kind of ongoing. What has it done for you mentally as far as your mental health goes? Um, I think mentally it was really hard too because I didn't have the opportunity to reach out to a ton of colleges my junior year. So I was pretty defeated for a while where I just like didn't believe that I would, you know, get to end up going anywhere. Um, But again, with more time and maturity, this mentality kind of changed and I was able to look at it um, kind of more positively. I remember 
Um, also, during my junior year, I had pretty bad shin splints. I had micro fractures all in my shins just from so many hours of volleyball and jumping. Um, but as I was able to take more of a break away from volleyball that I definitely would not have gotten without COVID, I was able to heal these fractures. And so I think that kind of made my attitude change as well. You know, it seems as though a lot of things that happen in your life, you've, you know, had a negative outlook on it and then somehow you've pivoted and made it, you know, a positive, you know, what, what is it in you that gives you that kind of ability to turn a negative into a positive? Do you, okay. So, and and kind of piggybacking off, off of that a little bit, is it that you have a positive disposition about you, a, a sunny outlook on a, you know, maybe an otherwise dark situation or is there something else there? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that kind of gives me hope from day to day would definitely be my religion. Um, I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they often, like, teach um, how to just take a more positive outlook on life. And so I wouldn't say that I naturally look for the best solution or have the best attitude in everything that I do. But this and kind of the people also in my community who have always supported me and just helped me have a better attitude in life has ultimately created kind of more of an attitude in myself where I'm able to um, turn things around and see them more positively. How important is your faith in your everyday life? Oh, I would say it is majorly important. It gives me a lot of purpose and and, um a lot of hope and direction and just, um, I don't know, it, it just helps me see things more of on an internal perspective and um, more of a far-fetched perspective, if that makes any, any sense. So I think, like, when bad things do happen, I get caught up and I'm like, oh, this sucks, like, this is the worst thing ever, and then I'm able to kind of turn it around and um, see that it's probably all for a purpose and that it's going to be probably one of the best blessings in my life if I just wait it out a little bit. Now, is this something that your, your parents turned you on to or is this something that you found on your own? Um, I would definitely say my parents had a huge hand in it. Um, and it's probably been a little self, um, I don't know. And what's the word I'm looking for? Self-given? Self-directed? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Something along those lines. Now, are you going to go yeah. on a, now, are you going to go on a mission or is, is that something that you're going to put off? Um, I don't think a mission is in my plans right now. However, um, just recently I had the opportunity to go to Africa on a service mission for our church. And I absolutely loved that. So we'll just kind of see where volleyball takes me and life takes me and, if it's my purpose and my direction, then maybe I'll go on a mission. Sure. What was that experience in Africa like? Oh, it was insane. It was definitely eye-opening um, just of how much there is to be grateful here in Idaho. Um, I think living in a small town, you kind of get so focused on yourself and what you need to accomplish and what your life needs to look like and I think that was kind of my attitude for quite a while but as I was able to go to Africa and be a minority and like help these people who had absolutely nothing but were still so grateful for everything in their life it kind of opened my eyes to the reality of what life actually is 
And speaking of culture shock, I mean, you're going from Troy, Idaho to <laughs> so just talk about that experience as a whole, you know, not just what you did there, but just being there in, in general. I mean, what was that like for you? It was insane. I remember stepping off the plane and taking a bus to, like, the heart of the village. I was in Kenya, um, and I stepped off the bus, and there was not a single white person. And so, like, every um, African came up to me, and they were, like, touching my hair and my skin. <laughs> and they their um, slang word for white people is Mazunga. So they would be like, Mazunga, and, like, line the streets and, like, take pictures of us. And I was like, what is going on? Like, yeah, exactly. What was your reaction to all that? Yeah, it was, um, like I said, really eye-opening that there was a whole other culture in, like, a whole different world outside of Troy, Idaho, that, like, people are living completely different lives that I just, like, didn't even think about. So I think it really increased my gratitude for not only what I have here, but also increased um, kind of my understanding of just like, it's not all about Morgan Blazard. And there's so much more to life that I can be giving and doing and like helping not just in my community, but outside of everything else. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I just want to ask too, you know, there's going to be people in the future playing for, you know, a small town volleyball team that have <laughs> visions to go division one. And, you know, you did that, you set that in motion you know, what advice can you give to that small town Idaho girl that's trying to go Division One um, in sports? Or better yet, how about my 10-year-old daughter? There you go. <laughs> of course. Um, I would say just go do it. Like, don't ever let anybody or anything stop you from pursuing, like, your dream. When you have a vision, like, it's going to happen if you're willing to put in the work. And um, I think – in my life too, I've, I've had so many people be like, oh no, like you're short, you're like from a little small town, like there's no way, but like if you continue to reach out to people and continue to show that you're just willing to work and willing to grit your teeth and get it done, like people are going to respect that and they're going to help you along your way um, and you'll get there eventually no matter what it takes. Now, going back again to volleyball, I got to ask, you know, what – what was the best state championship that you won? Which one sticks in your head the most? Was it the first, the last, or the one in the middle? I think the one in the middle probably <laughs> was just kind of like, for me, it sounds like that one probably isn't the most important. I feel like if it was me, it'd be the first one or the last one. Which one is it for you? Yeah, I would, uh, that is so hard. I, I would have to say my first one probably because there had just been so much like momentum and drive and passion behind the first one just because I had been dreaming about it since the second grade like I would literally go to bed and like say a prayer that like I would win my state championship like when I was 11 so <laughs> uh, there's just been a lot of work behind um that one and it was really just special um because I after the last ball had dropped naming us state champions, like Lindsay and I hugged and like, we were just like, we did it. Like we legitimately did it. Like this is our dream from years and years of hard work and dedication. So probably the first. 
Okay, so you, you got one. What continued the drive to get more? Um, I just, when I want something, I'm going to get it. And, like, the high of getting a state championship the first time was just, like, something that I just knew I wanted other people to experience as well. So as we had new freshmen come on the team or as we had, you know, other seniors who I wanted to continue to play and fight for um, so they could continue to have that, that insane feeling, you know, when you win. It's something that kind of drove that passion within me. And I also just really like to win. I'm really competitive. So um, that was probably a leading factor as well. But did, like, the one this year, though, did it mean did it mean just as much as the other ones? Or did it mean a little bit more because you're a senior and you basically won it at home? Um, I think it would definitely mean a little bit more after we lost to Grace um, last year. Yeah, previous year, um, there was some there were some hard feelings there, um, and there was just a lot of like what we called unfinished business. Like that was our key word throughout the un- entire season of my senior year. Was one, I wanted to go out with a bang, and two, I wanted to prove to myself and kind of prove to the community that we could beat Grace and that we could win another state championship and kind of, I just wanted to make my community proud as well um, of the things that I had been working for. So yes, it was, it was really special. Okay. Did you guys get any kind of slack because you you lost last year to Grace? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was any like hate, but. Right. Not, not necessarily hate, but. Yeah. It was negative where they're like, wow, like, we really thought you were going to do this, like, that must suck. And so it was kind of like teasing, <laughs> but also a little bit of, you know. But, but it kind of fueled you guys a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, uh-huh. It was, it was, I think that experience was also, like, really eye-opening where I realized, like, you have to put in the work again. Like, you're not just going to be top of the um, volleyball ladder just because you had been the year before. Like, it takes drive and dedication every single game, every single practice. Um, And I would say we even got, like, a little bit lackadaisical, you know, my junior year just because we had won two state championships and we were predicted to win a third. So so basically you you realize that you can't put on the uniform and just roll the ball out there. Exactly. You've got to put in work every single second. Do you do you feel like you guys may have done that last year? Um, I there probably were certain games where we got a little bit lackadaisical and just kind of assumed we were going to win just because you know we had this huge dynasty. Um, but I think overall, my junior year just really taught us that nothing is like for sure. Um, and so. And again, that kind of folds in with the COVID stuff. Yeah. Um, we took every kind of chance we had and to prove to people that we still were a really good team and that we still wanted to be there and fight hard. So I think my senior year was definitely a little bit better of having that mindset. So I guess I'm going to go back to the question that Trevin had actually posed to you. What title means more to you? Your freshman year, your sophomore year, or your senior year? Um, I think 
I, I'm going to nail you down on this. I, 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 no, I, I really thought it was my freshman year, but as I'm talking about it, I, I think it might be my senior year, yeah. honestly. I talked her out of it, yeah. Trev. <laughs> like a used car salesman. Yes, like a horrible used car salesman up the street. <laughs> that was, no. Had to get the content out. Right, yeah. exactly. No, but I mean, you know, when you sit there and you think about everything that you've kind of went through and, you know, all, all that, it's just... You know, it, it sometimes it just kind of dawns on you all of a sudden. Hey, look, you know, maybe it was this one that this thing that was better than this thing. You know, and once you kind of talk about it, you know, it's kind of like, well, okay. From an outsider's perspective, when we watched, you know, you guys go on that run, it definitely seemed like that that state championship that you guys won this year was something. You know, it, it felt like there was a purpose there. Yeah. You know, I guess yeah. more more of what we're saying, you know, uh, considering that you guys had lost to Grace last year in the semifinal round, I believe, you know, you you had to deal – I mean, everybody's kind of had to deal with COVID. But, you know, you, yeah. had the, you had this – like you said, you had this dynasty. You had a lot to live up to. You got grief from the community – you know, whether it be good-hearted or, you know, maybe there was intent there, you know. Yeah. I, I guess it's kind of what I was trying to drill you down on a little bit. Yeah, I would definitely agree, like, thinking about it now. Like, I was not willing to lose. And I think every single point of the senior championship was just, a fight and a drive and just like so much passion behind every single point. So and I think you got me my senior one. <laughs> yeah. And and let me say Yes, I nailed her. <laughs> let me say when I was watching when I was watching you at districts, you were mm-hmm. above and beyond. Like I you were like a whole different level. Like and I and I don't want to knock, you know, other volleyball players in the in the district, but you were on a whole different level out there. It was crazy to watch. Well, and here's the thing, you know, I'll be honest with you. I have not watched you play. All I go off of really is what I hear off off of our phoners and from our guys every night. And I've been here since August of 2019. I don't think I've seen or heard of another player, at least in that sport in particular, who has been as dominant as you. And I think that probably goes a little bit to your work ethic, a little bit to the drive of what your mom has done. And just, you know, an overall, you know, the, the overall, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, the, the program in general, you know, where you've grown yeah. up at. Yeah, I would definitely tip my hat off to all of those factors and especially just having such like a huge community of volleyball it put a lot of pressure but also a lot of like support where I just wanted to be the best and prove to people that I could play this game and this sport as well as I could and then obviously you know there's a a life after volleyball and you know me you and your mom talked about it when we you know did the interview I think on Tuesday Um, sports nutrition, you know, that, and that's a big deal to you, you know, kind of, kind of touch about why you chose that major and, you know, everything else about it. Um, so like I kind of mentioned in the newspaper, 
my junior high and early high school years, I really fought with different eating disorders and really fought with a lot of body, goodness, body image problems. Um, and so as I kind of learned and grew and grew and, and was able to open up to my mom and my community about these different things, I realized that I was not the only female athlete or girl or even guy going through these body image issues. Um, and so I just decided in the moments of these kind of battles with food and that kind of stuff that I wanted to help other people stay away from the problems and the things that I was going through. And, and I wanted to make sure that any athlete was able to learn and understand earlier that maybe one, it's okay to have those feelings, but it's even better to be able to deal with them in the right ways and not deal with them on your own. So that's kind of where my drive comes for working in sports nutrition. Right. Can, can I ask you a question? I mean, um, you know, the how much of an influence ha did social media have with, you know, the way you felt about yourself and, and, and the body oh. issues and, and, and the things of that nature? Mm -hmm. um, it was huge. Um, I often spent, like, hours, you know, looking at these really – thin supermodels or just people um, who I envied and I just felt like I one day that I like had enough of you know feeling so down about the way I looked or my the way I was eating or things along those lines and so yeah social media had a really huge huge impact but as I was able to realize it I think I was able to change it better. Yeah, and then uh, going back to your faith, too, you know, was that something that you turned to during these tri uh, trying times? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I remember reading a quote. Oh, I wish I could remember it better. But it just talked about how God doesn't make imperfections. Like, he strives to make us happy and um, make, you know, everything in his image and make it beautiful. And as I kind of realized that, I was made perfect, or I guess not perfect, but I was made how I was supposed to be. Um, that really helped. All right. I, I got to ask you. Um, uh -huh. We had one of our, we, you, you know, we had one of our photographers out there for your signing. Uh -huh. And one of the photos that he took was a photo with your brother. And this photo <laughs> of you, your head superimposed on this <laughs> this like bodybuilder's body. Can you explain yeah. that photo to me, please? I have to know. Of course. Uh -huh. So during one of our rival games with Genesee, um, this catchphrase of you can't stop her um, was put out by the, our boys, our cheering section. Just was like it your guys' cheering section or was it theirs? Yeah. Um, our cheering section. Okay. If it's a kill, they'd be like, you can't stop her. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so my brother thought it would be so funny to put my head on like an entire bodybuilder with a phrase, you can't stop her. I wish we would have brought that poster to the signing, but I just forgot to. But <laughs> um, I was like so embarrassed. 
when he first did it because like this bodybuilder was like shirtless and like huge and it had like it had muscles from here to next week right yeah uh-huh. I will send it in for sure. <laughs> and and to be um, fair, she probably got like 25, 30 kills that game. Right. <laughs> that match, yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, he just thought it would be so funny to do it again for my signing and hopefully get it in the newspaper. And lo and behold, mm-hmm. it got in the newspaper. So he got his idea. And his he, he got his little – okay, so was it like – his way of giving you a little dig or was it brotherly love or um i'd like to think it was brotherly love <laughs> you'd like to think I'll that to, right <laughs> yeah i'll have to ask him and see just where his thoughts were going to <laughs> <laughs> hey, i have i have an older brother and i think it's best that you just left leave that question unasked i think Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, th- <laughs> I, I think. But um, yeah, Morgan, it's been great talking to you. And you know, is there anything else that you want to add before you know we conclude this bit of the podcast? You know, I think I've got everything covered. Thank you guys so much for giving me this opportunity. It's really been a really good time. It's been a pleasure, Morgan. You know, you you're def- you've definitely been one of the best volleyball players in the. Uh, in the area and in the state, obviously a four time first team, uh, uh, player. Um, but you know, you, you've really, uh, you know, you've opened up to us and, you know, we couldn't be more appreciative of you, uh, taking some of our questions, our barbs and, you know, having to tolerate the two, uh, immature, uh, podcast hosts here. No worries. I've had a great time. So, yeah. Thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate it. No, thank you, Morgan. Yeah, thank you, Morgan. It's been a blast. And uh, I think the most important thing that you did during this podcast was tolerate Don. So thank you. <laughs> thank you again. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't, I didn't bring up Ohio at all. Were you recruited by any schools in Ohio? Oh, full bingo board. No, I really wish I would have. Ohio State could have really used you. You're gonna have to send them an email. No, yeah, well, you know, you've already committed. Although, although, I mean, you know, even though you've committed, you could still technically, you could still technically go there. I mean, I, I've got I connections. I've got connections. No, I'm just, I'm just teasing. That's illegal recruiting, right there. Yeah, I, I, I just committed an NCA violation. Sorry. Yeah, we, but we won't tell anybody. This is between you, me, Trevin, and everybody else in the world. All five of our listeners. All five of our listeners, yes. <laughs> All right, Morgan, it's been a blast. Thank you for being on here tonight. Of course. Thank you. Thank you.